Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey there, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This episode was one of our last recordings before the coronavirus sent us all home. Moving forward, our recordings will be done virtually because we do believe that the show must go on. This week's episode features David Parada. He's the founder and CEO of David Parada Brands. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Inessa and Alina Vike, who are the founders of Vike Beauty. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to be sitting with David Parada. He is the founder and CEO of David Parada Brands. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be sitting with you. Um, so my first question for you is about hand sanitizer. Oh, <laughs> when yes. we walked into the room today, we're in the midst of coronavirus fear. Um, and you mentioned that you just launched a hand sanitizer brand. Well, I've been working with many different hand sanitizer brands. Um, but my favorite one right now, which has been around since the 90s, and it's probably one of the first indie brands, is Jow. Jow Brands. Um, it's out of Brooklyn. And it's been around. Her father was the formulator and chemist behind it, and she actually has a very kind of clean, um, organic hand sanitizer. And in kind of the Hollywood world, her sister is one of my clients, which is uh, Melanie Mayron. Gail Mayron's the owner of Jow, and she actually created the first indie kind of um, independent hand sanitizer brand on the market. Actually, Purell followed her after she had launched it. So there wasn't even Purell on the market before she came out. Oh, my God, that's crazy. Yeah, there's a... The indie space has been going since the 90s. (laughs) And um, are there other brands that you represent that have hand sanitizers? Yeah, there's there's a brand I I actually um, brought into the U.S. as a distributor called Grown Alchemist. Um, I still use their hand sanitizer, even though we're not their distributors anymore. But I am also um, a big believer of using organic or as clean as possible. So everyone's using all these chemicals for hand sanitizers right now. But um, my concern is what else are you putting in your skin? With that Purell or even here in your office, I heard people using wipes and certain wipes that I wouldn't be using. But still, you know, that was scary. But um, coming from the kind of clean beauty world that I come from. So what kind of wipes should we be using? I guess I would just be using just like your own kind of your own blend of like you can actually one of my um, brand owner now, she, she is one of the founders of a brand called Nature of Things and it's a CBD brand. I actually asked her recently because I was actually talking to a few different beauty directors and editors here in New York, and we were just talking about so many people are doing articles on how to make your own hand sanitizer. Um, and so I had asked her, and she she actually had um, said to me, she would own, her name is Kendra Mark, and she is so fabulous. She lives in Arizona, but she has formulated for many um, brands as a chemist, and now she is a founder of her own together with two other partners. Um, and she always uses aloe vera in hers with some alcohol in there, um, some organic oils in there. So it's just, you know, you want to make sure that you make the cleanest blend possible. And then, like, just dip a paper towel into it and wipe it on the table surfaces? Yeah, just uh-huh. wipe, yeah you can just clean it yourself at home. Use um, I always use, like, you know, your own soap and water and lemon and vinegar and all of that versus using, everyone's using out Clorox bleach. They're bleaching everything possible. I'm sure, you know, they're making a fortune right now. They're the only ones. 
selling a lot of product right now. <laughs> right. So are you actually, do you spend time making your own hand sanitizers at home? No, I actually asked all of our, our brand owners that are chemists and formulators what they would do, and they would always make me something and send me something. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's fun. What a nice perk for you during this challenging time. <laughs> I do have tons of, like, wipes in my bag, too, that are more organic. But um, it's funny because it's like, you know, I, I travel all the time for work, and I've always been kind of OCD about cleaning my area and my little table. And even if I get upgraded to Delta One or First, I'm always wiping everything down. I never put anything into one of those little pockets in front of me. I carry like a little like fanny pack that I put on the side Mm -hmm. for all my accoutrements that I need on my travel trip, which is a hand sanitizer, lip balm, a little facial mist, you know, all the essentials you need when you're traveling on a plane. And... um. What uh, like what is your uh, I guess like area wipe down protocol on a plane now? Oh, first the tray, like and then all the arms all around it, and I even clean the TV screen, like because people are touching that all the time. I clean that right away. I even you know I even like the whole seat area, um, and then I have a little um, spray that I spray the pockets just in case I touch them, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then I never wash my hands on the plane because the water is recycled. So all is that it, wa- it's dirty water. It, all that water is like just recycled. So there's bacteria probably in there. If it's sitting, if it's the water is sitting in there, there's bacteria in that water. I don't care if there's soap there from like, you know, a high end brand that they're partnering with. Um, I literally bring hand wipes and I wipe my hands and hand sanitize my hands. I never really even drink tea or hot water or coffee on a plane. Ugh. <laughs> well, these are all really helpful tips. I've always been someone who wipes down. The, the armrests and the tray table yeah. and the um, window cover because, oh. like, I mean, I never think that anyone's cleaning the plane they other aren't. than just putting the garbage in the garbage can. Yeah, they aren't. Yeah. They never are. But they Oof. should. They should. I think now they should. Uh, it's funny because before all this happened, a friend of mine, we both were flying from New York to L.A. and we hadn't seen each other for a while and he's a famous hairstylist. And he did a whole video on me because I was, like, wiping down my area. And he's like, funny to run into David Prada on Delta One. And I'm, like, cleaning everything. I'm, like, sweating as I'm, like, really cleaning my area before I sit down. I do have to say I was on a flight once with um, uh, one of the Kardashians, with Kim Kardashian, on, on flying back to L.A. on Delta. And she has, like, a seat condom. She covered her seat. I was so amazed by the way she traveled on a, you know, on a, a regular plane versus a jet. She had her own seat cover. I was mesmerized. I was like, where do I find a so condom So do you think that's for, for comfort or for cleanliness? Cleanliness. Uh-huh. She's not sitting on a chair that someone else has been right. sitting on. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wish she could tell us where she gets that seat condom How interesting. From. Well, I guess, like, you, you know, when you travel I mean, as much as she yeah. does, you, you're trying to preserve your sanity and your health as much as you can. I always thought she was traveling private, but she when she flies alone, she, you know. Sometimes jumps on mm-hmm. the Delta flight. Um, well, let's move on yeah. to other topics. Let's talk about um, how you'll spend your day today. How else am I? Oh, today. Well, I flew and I was just in Miami. So I flew on the last flight out of Miami last night. And I flew um, in around midnight. And um, I'm just here. I flew back for you. Oh, my goodness. And then I'm going to go drop off one of my buyers from CO Biglow stopped by my showroom in the West Village, and she left her scarf, so I'm going to drop it off. And then I'm going to go pick up something, and then I'm going to head to the airport, back to Los Angeles, because I've been gone for 10 days. Well, thank so, you for make t- making time for me today. You're welcome, because I, you know, I wanted to make sure we, I didn't miss this, because I had so much fun talking to you about your son and shaving and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. I was like, i got to meet this person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my son's so excited to hear this. Okay, so here, this is my question that I think is, like, the most fun. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
Well, I wanted to be a Broadway actor. And so I actually went to school for musical theater, and um, I also minored in Spanish and accounting. So I also had some accounting background. So when I got to New York and I was auditioning, um, I went from university to London, then to New York City. And I was auditioning all the time, and then I ended up in the beauty space. But I didn't realize I had been always in the beauty space because my aunt used to take me into all the department stores, and she was like my Auntie Mae. My mom was very much into products, and she's so... She's a 70-year-old woman that looks like she's probably 50. Um, and then my grandmother had always made all her own natural products because she was a tomboy growing up on a farm her whole life in Cuba. So she always made all of her rouges with, like, beets, and she used all, like, um, she made all her soaps herself. She used Castile soap for hand soaps. So she was always making her own product. So then I ended up, you know, being in theater, you know how to do makeup on stage. So I ended up at a counter at Bergdorf Goodman. They told me I had great skin, and I started working in beauty. And then I was like, wait a second, I really love this job. You're making people happy every day. And you're working with fun product, and you're meeting all these wonderful creative directors. Because at that time, I got to meet, like, Bobby Brown when she just had six lipsticks. And I got to meet, like, you know, I started working with Christy Turlington, which what gay boy doesn't want to work with a supermodel? So I was like, I was like living my best life in my early 20s in New York City. Did you ever make it to the Broadway stage? I did. I made it as a swing. I don't know if anyone knows what that is. Tell but, us. <sighs> yes, I made it as a swing on, on, on a musical, which a swing is someone that is um, uh, casted to be there as a kind of understudy for every male character. So you have to learn every character. and But you're part of the ensemble, so you're doing all the back moves and everything. Mind you, the show I was on only lasted like 14 days on Broadway, oh, and no one got sick. But, you know, I did get to touch the stage, and I realized that was all I wanted to do, was get close to it, but it never really happened. What was the show called? I'm not going to talk about it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> How Can I Google search this and figure it no. out? <laughs> no, I had many Broadway lovers that I don't want to come back up. I just, it's been too much in the past. Let's talk about the present. Okay, wait, but wait. I just want to hear about being a swing. So when you're a swing, are Not you— Not a swinger, but a swing. <laughs> yeah. Are you on stage every day just being the background dancer? Yeah, you are. Okay. You're kind of like running around. Like there's always—you always see the ensemble like mm -hmm. dancing and doing everything. And so when that—so if someone calls out sick that day, they throw you in. Okay, but, but you definitely like you performed on Broadway. For 14 days. For, like, less than that because, like, you have days off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not very long. And then I was, like, watched all my other friends, like, make it on stage. And I was, like, and this is, like, before I even started really working in makeup. I was, like, only, like, 23. It was before I even got into, like, going out to the gay bars and having a fun life. And I was, like, I was so disciplined. And then I was, like, over it. Then I was, like, loving doing, like, makeup on people's faces, working with the most fabulous clients on the Upper East Side, like, my customers at Bergdorf were the most beautiful women in the world. And I just, like, loved beauty so much. And I realized that that was really my calling from childhood. So you had your less than 14 days on yeah. Broadway. And then was your, was your soul really like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm not auditioning yeah. anymore. I, and it's funny because my father actually, um, I, I was, like, one of the youngest sales directors. So after working in cosmetics, I got hired by um, a guy named Jeffrey Scott which was, like, my Me Too situation. But, like, um, but he hired me because he would see me out on the floor at Barney's, and I had left Bergdorf's, went to Barney's, and he saw that I was a great salesperson, and he was looking for a sales manager slash sales director. So I interned, um, like, Mondays, my days off, in his office to learn wholesale. 
then he hired me as a sales director at 25 years old. And um, I remember my first business trip was to Michigan, to Detroit. And I thought it was so amazing. My father, I called my dad and I was so excited. I was like, dad, I'm a sales director. I have a company credit card. I'm driving around. I think I, I, I just drove by like, you know, like some, some Motown legend. I was like, I'm in heaven here. And, you know, Detroit is a beautiful city. I think I saw the beauty in it. Um, and he was like, you're giving up on your dreams. And I was like, mm, I guess my dreams, it's the same dreams I wanted my son to have, to just follow what you want to do in life, but always be kind. So I think to be successful, you have to be a kind person. If you're not kind, you're not successful in my book. Mm-hmm. You have to have a good, kind soul. If not, that you've, you're never going to be successful to me. There's a lot of people with lots of monetarial things in big homes, but they're not kind. And so I find that to not be success. But your family, I guess, was used to decades of you performing, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I was always like, you know, in all the shows in high school and in college. and um, But I'm performing every day. And in the beauty world, you have to be on stage. And like, on, but that's what I loved about working in the department stores in New York. It wasn't easy to get a job at Bergdorf and Barney's. It wasn't like you're going to your local Macy's to get a job. It was like, you know, you're like, it was really hard to get a job in those stores. Because yeah. you had to look the part, dress the part, have the the style um, in those days, they just didn't hire anybody. They were just, you had to give them your headshot when you wanted to work in really? a store. Yeah. I even wore, I, there was a catering agency I worked for called Match, and they would they would file you as what you look like. And I had a headshot. And I remember it was like a, a, a huge um, fashion event, and I, um, a famous designer picked me as their waiter because of my headshot. And I was like, ooh, I must have been kind of cute. <laughs> so you're just so used to being, um, like, everything's a casting, right? Everything's well, an audition. Well, the way I look for my job as a, I, you know, I've been working in the beauty world for 22 years now. And so um, my whole life now has been beauty. So I don't even remember, like, auditioning. those. That, that's so far away in the past. But I do audition brands every day as a casting director. And I do look at brands, and I do use a lot of my... My theater background, like, I call brands, they have to be a triple threat for me. Mm-hmm. So just like a Broadway performer, they have to be a triple threat. If you're going to make it on that Broadway stage, you better know how to dance, sing, and act. If you don't know how to do those three, you're in trouble. And if you're a beauty brand, if you don't have great packaging, a great face behind the brand and story, which face and story is the same thing for me, and then, um, you know, integrity in those ingredients, you're going to fail miserably. Unless you have a lot of money and, you know, some celebrity behind you. But that's another story for another time. That's called private label. <laughs> so let's talk about um, what is what is David Parada Brands. David Parada Brands, I've owned my own agency for 10 years. Um, and that's after working many years for other companies in-house. I made it all the way up to, like, a VP of sales, which who would have thought a little theater actor would have been a VP of a, a company. Uh, but then I ended up moving to Los Angeles with my ex-partner. Um, we were together for 10 years, and he had gotten um, a job producing um, RuPaul's Drag Race, which was season two. And um, I he had this sparkle in his eye, and I never was going to leave New York. I'm a true New York East Coaster diehard. Like, you, if you would have asked me 10 years ago that if I would ever lived, I mean, 11 years ago, if I was going to move to L.A., I would have said no. Um, but when I saw that spark in his eye, I couldn't say no to his dreams because I, I knew I could figure it out anywhere I, I would go. I can always make every city home and make it make something happen. So when I got there, I um, met a client 
at the DMV, her it was um, uh, Melanie Mayrun, which is uh, my first client. I still am working with her ten years, eleven years later. Um, and I met her, and so I realized there were brands out there that were looking for help. Wait, you just met her casually at the DMV? Well, no, I met her. Um, she had a tenant living in her guest house at the time, and I caused a scene because I had moved in. A, I had a car parked in Brooklyn on the street that was all scraped up. It was like a Honda Civic, okay? And, like, it was just, like, my everyday car to take my dogs to the vet and to go to Trader Joe's because I hated, like, carrying bags. Um, and so, and then I would drive to see my parents. It was just, like, that car you'd keep on the street. And so I drove it to L.A. Mm-hmm. Who would it, that's, like, a faux pas. You don't really drive that kind of car in Los Angeles unless you want to get killed. <laughs> but, but I loved it. It was just, uh, you know, I went to the DMV to get it registered, and they wanted, like, $490 to register my you know, 10-year-old Honda that was, like, my Brooklyn beater. And um, I caused a scene. <laughs> and security came over the DMV. Duh. Yeah. Okay, what did the scene look like? Um, I probably said some really inappropriate things because I can, I, can, I can have that side of me come out often. Um, and so then I sat back down. After I calmed down, the girl next to me goes, are you from New York? I was like, uh, what do you think? I was like, this is high-definition sun. I'm miserable. I'm screaming at people because they're charging me, like, a, a registration for, like, a Honda. But it's, like, the same price as, like, a Mercedes or a you know, Range Rover. And she was like, oh, my God. And our last five minutes of talking, we talked for, like, 45 minutes. She asked me what I did, and I told her I had worked for a company called Red Flower. Or I worked for a company called The Art of Shaving. She knew all the brands I had worked with um, in-house. And she said, oh, my God, my landlady slash friend has this baby line, and I have no idea how to do anything with it. She's like, I worked in marketing for Donna Karen in New York, but I've never done beauty or lifestyle or wellness. And I was like, well, you know, introduce me. And I was like, this is such an L.A. moment. I'm never going to hear from this girl again. Well, she called the next day, and I met Melanie Mayron, and I had no idea who she was because I don't know celebrities. And um, I told my partner at the time I got home, I was like, I was just at Melanie Mayron's house. Do you know who she is? He was like, she was on 30-something, David. How do you not know who she is? She won an Emmy. I was like, I don't know this stuff. Leave me alone. I was like, ask me, like, you know, who, like, Tata Harper is, and I can tell you what she looks like. (laughs) You ask me, like, a, a beauty person or a fashion person, I can answer those questions. But... It was interesting because it kind of opened up um, a whole segue for me. I never thought I was going to own my own company. It just happened organically, and I started signing brands. And right after that, I signed Rodan Olio Luso. So I worked as kind of their marketing agent, sales agent, helped them with packaging and design. So one-stop shop. I had. I would. I'm very upfront. I don't care if it's your baby. I'll tell you that that it. It needs glasses. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that it needs a new outfit. I tell you if it needs a facelift. Um, and people either take it or leave it. But a lot of people come to me for the honesty because I'm not going to just like tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what will work if you want it to sell in the market. So this is a company where as the the founder of the brand, I come to you and I say, will you represent my company? Yeah. And then you're going to try to sell it into the right retailers for yeah, me? Exactly. Is that the goal? Mm-hmm. And then after that company, I started a distribution company a few years after that, which is why um, I have my own warehouse. I also have a 3PL company, so I ship and do direct-to-consumer shipping for young indie brands that don't want to work with big 3PL. So I have a new 3PL company as well that I started about a year ago. So that means as a brand founder, I don't have to find my own warehouse. I call you, you warehouse my products, yep. and like you tie into my .com, so you're shipping based on my sales? Exactly. And what about with Amazon? And so for Amazon, now Amazon is pretty much um, either dropship or I think it's um, consignment right now. So um, you ship from your own warehouse for Amazon. So you would ship for 
for the Amazon. Yeah. So I actually own my own. Also, I also have my own beauty website called Materia by David Prada, which is we've had for a year now as well. And it's doing amazing. And so we actually ship out of there as well. And there's some brands we do drop ship with, and there's some brands we hold inventory for. Oh wait, you have a you have a you are a retailer. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> okay, so we want to talk about this. So you, <laughs> I, I have a lot of okay. I have a lot of businesses. I have a lot of things percolating. Let's pretend there's a where brains meets beauty lip balm. Uh-huh. Okay, and it's fantastic and yeah. has amazing packaging yeah. and the ingredients are incredible mm-hmm. and I'm awesome. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm the triple threat. Okay, I love that already. So confident. Okay. <laughs> so um, you're going to love my lip balm because it meets your criteria, yeah. and you're going to see white space in the lip balm market. Yeah. Then you're going to sell me into where? Where would you place me? I'd probably place you into probably about 100 independent stores first so we mm-hmm. can have some cash flow first before we go into net term accounts. I know everybody wants to be at like big department stores and big retailers, but when you're a young company, you need prepaid credit card and all the independent stores prepaid credit card. So that means you get cash flow. So you have relationships with all these cute little shops yeah. in different cute towns all around the country. That's or, what we're known Or is it for. the world? We actually do all, we actually do all of Europe as well. Okay. So now my lip balm's in like 150 really cute boutiques mm-hmm. next to like um, nice handbags yeah, or fragrance totally. or like whatever their lifestyle boutique is. We work with the best fashion stores, the best home stores. We actually have the, the number one, like most uh, well-known besides Steptique. We have Sirtudon Candles that we put in all the best home stores. We have some of the best brands under my umbrella. And so we work with the best home, best fashion, best independent, um, apothecaries like, you know, the Zidimers and the Seal Bigelows. I've been working with them for 20, we have brands there. We work with salons, spas, hotels. So I was just in Miami, and like when I went around to see all their accounts, just I only saw like five of them. I didn't have enough time because there's traffic there like crazy, and I was just like, "Wow, we have such a great repertoire of like different types of retailers." Okay, so you have relationships with all these mm-hmm. really interesting, fascinating retailers, mm-hmm. and these are all like really one-offs, right? So yeah. you've built relationships like directly with the founders and the owners of those shops. Or my team has, because mm-hmm. I have the one of the best, I have the, I was telling my mom on the walk here, I was like, my team works so hard, oh. just as hard as me. Like, I, my mom's like, you work so hard. I'm like, my team, we all work so hard, mom. We're always on the go. I have the best sales directors. I have two sales directors. I have Chilito and Ashley, and I couldn't be, Chilito's been with me eight years. He's like my work husband. He's like my longest relationship. <laughs> More than, well, I, I made it to nine and a half with the last, last longest one. But Chilito is like, literally, when we turn 10 years to Together, we're going to Tokyo. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> okay, so you you and your team have built yeah. these relationships yep. all over Europe and the U.S. with these really cool, interesting places. We're also close with every um, global distributor. So we're close with all the team at Mecca, all the team at all the Hong Kong stores, all the Japan stores. We, we're close with everybody. So we actually know how to do global positioning for a U.S. brand. Okay, so then um, now my lip balm I've sold like a case or two to all these like mm-hmm. 150 cool boutiques, mm-hmm. right? And that's what they're only taking a small quantity, right? Yeah, they right? take about like 12 to 24, depends on what your case packs are. So I always ask, how are you case packed? The questions that most brand owners don't ever want to know. Uh, they're like, uh, I don't know. And so, yeah, the case packs of like if they come in 12, 24s. Um, and then after we have a good, you know, a good cash flow where, you know, she can cover her overhead and all of that, that's when we start looking at like, you know, Nordstrom's and Neiman's. And um, if it's clean, we look at Detox Market and Credo and the Fulanes of the world. And if it's, 
you know, there's also Lemon Lane and Aaliyah, which is like people don't, a, a lot of people don't know that, but she's got m- more doors than some of the other all like clean doors that are on the market. So when, when I've been in this, these 150 small like fashion or apothecary, we'll say like a hundred. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So now you have, you, you'll see where my sales are, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to craft a story for me. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, the fashion crowd loves my lip balm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just based on sales. And usually like, you know, we work with Toto Kylo, like, even some stores, even if they don't sell a lot, they're like marketing mm-hmm. vehicles. Mm-hmm. So my thing is when I launch a brand, like I was just at Faina in Miami, I love seeing my products in their shops at the bazaar. I love seeing my products in their spa. I like seeing my products in their mini bar. Then all of a sudden I jump on a plane and I end up in New York City and I end up at Bergdorf's. Oh, I just saw that brand again. So, or I go downtown because I'm a Soho person and I walk into Toto Kylo, which is like the coolest store. And I'm like, wow, I love the Margiela here. So chic. Oh, look at all the new like Dries. Oh my God, there's that brand. I got to buy this brand. It's like in all my favorite places. So I kind of like do this like strategy where it's in your favorite hotel, it's in your favorite um, spot, it's in your favorite boutique, your favorite department store, your favorite e- um, e-commerce business. So we work with like Net-A-Porte since the inception of their beauty department when David Olson was there. And um, we work with like Revolve and we work with, you know, Goop and we work with all the the, the all the the suspects that everyone wants to be in. Okay. So now um, you have some we, we had some runway because mm-hmm. I sold a case or two to a bunch of hundred of these stores. Yeah. Now you're figuring out where to position me in terms of some e-commerce maybe. We start working with e-commerce early on as well because we want to have that visibility. So we kind of usually in the beginning and then if depending on what the price point and the packaging, if it's cute and it's like fr- younger, then I start thinking anthro or I think terrain or I start thinking, okay, where else can I put this? I don't really think of Sephora or Ulta until there's enough brand awareness because if not you'll fail miserably there but I do start thinking you know there's a lot of great new beauty areas at Neiman's and even Nordstrom's doing some cool stuff Bloomingdale's is doing a few different like new like vehicles as well that are like doing really well for them so I kind of like kind of figure out just by the DNA of the founder because I have got to see if that person can I you know I had I have a few brands that sometimes when I look at the founder I'm like oh my god they can't go into the fashion stores because they have the worst fashion sense but they're real cute but you're like oh my god they dress terribly and like that can only go so far because globally once you start going out there and you don't have everything pulled together it doesn't do so well mm-hmm. so then I I have to be honest so it's like you know so we kind of you know we start working with all those different types of channels until. I think until we know we have enough cash flow to warrant freelancers. and Because once you go into department stores, you have to have staff. You have to have um, budgets for sampling and gifts of purchase and um, returns and all these kind of things. And people don't put that into the equation or cost of goods, their product. They don't think of like, oh, I can get a chargeback because my shipping department shipped incorrectly. And that could be, a chargeback could be the exact amount of your entire PO if you don't follow the rules. So this is so interesting because, um, you know, at, at Base Beauty, we do all the marketing, but we never touch distribution, right? Yeah. It's not our thing. Yeah. Um, but um, everyone always comes to us, like, you know, the dreamer saying, like, I want to be in Sephora, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't know about all these steps before that. No. They don't even know that sometimes you need to have UPC codes and you need to have an inky list and you also have to be prepared to be an um, EU certified and Canada Health certified and all these different things. And they're like, oh, 
but I have 25,000 of these boxes. And I was like, well, a lot of designers and packaging companies don't tell you this because it's a way for them to make more money. So if you didn't do all the research, they'll print exactly. They know what the rules are, which is so sad. Oh, I, you mean people get their packaging produced and doesn't have ingredients it on do, them? No, it doesn't have like a UPC oh code. Gosh, or uh-huh. like if you don't have a UPC code that works, and it's, it's like you can't go into these multi-channel mm-hmm. doors. You can be in a mom, a cute boutique with just a like, you know, a pricing and a little sticker UPC code. But there's so many like, you know, and then you have to have once it's open, how many days, you know, how is it 12 months, mm-hmm. six months? You know, you have to have all those kind of different things on the packaging. Okay, so you sound like a dream for <laughs> these smaller brands who don't have any of this knowledge or team in, in-house. Yeah, you know, and I also have um, Cody Sai, who's my marketing director. He came from working with a brand in-house for like seven years. And before that, he worked for like an agency that like that did all like, you know, stylists and nail stylists and hairstylists. He was an agent to all of those. So he's like been in beauty forever. And so he, he we have a book of like all the best chemists, all the best packaging companies, all the best um, like counter display companies. Um, we have all the best brokers we work with to get EU We have all of that information. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of our brands, they come in, they're like, ooh, that commission's really high for sales. I'm like, you're getting a lot. Okay. So free. let's talk about yeah. this. Okay. So, um, there's a cost to doing business yeah, with you, of course. Um, but it takes money to make money. Okay, so um, I've I've heard of companies like this before, mm-hmm. but um, those founders that have no cash flow, they I've heard them say, I can't afford that. Of course they can afford it. Well, in my model, there's always been, okay, if you're going to hire me as a consultant, that's different because that's a retainer and it's just me giving you advice until you're ready to like launch your brand. Um, and then when it's ready to launch, we're pretty much just a showroom fee because we have a showroom here in, in New York. And then we have one in Los Angeles. It's a showroom fee just to, like, keep your products on the shelves. And then we work on commissions. So it's based on – which is terrible because, like, just recently we lost a brand that we only had for three years. But, like, they don't realize that it takes us three years to finally make money. Right. And then they leave us for another company that will say they can do more than us. But they can't. Trust me. And uh, the great thing about me is I don't take back ex-brands or ex-boyfriends. Once it's over, it's over. Oh, really? (laughs) Once it's over, there's no like year of closure. No, I try. I've tried that so many times. Mm -hmm. It never works out. There's a reason why everything comes to an end. Everything good comes to an end. And you know, like this one brand, my team was so upset because like we retail it. We like one of my employees has it in his own little retail because concept that he has in Ohio. And so I was just like, wow, they don't realize we work so hard making no money. We're actually losing money working with mm-hmm. them for two mm-hmm. years. And then when we finally start making money, they leave. Karma. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's terrible. But I probably should have, oh, my God, I have this. This is a CBD table. I have it in my kitchen. <laughs> um, it, it's it's interesting because it's, the brands I've had the longest, I've had Ilya, Ilya Beauty, which is one of the number one organic makeup lines, and I've had it nine years. So um, we just had Sasha on the show. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I love Sasha so much. So she walked in. She was one of the founders that walked into my showroom. She was work, developing her products. She had six lip conditioners, and she wanted to know who was placing Rodan Oliuso in all the stores in Canada because she had seen it. And the girl's like, this guy David brought in L.A. And so she just came down to L.A. and met with me. Wow. And she, like, as soon as she walked in, I had a moment. And I was like, she is the Bobby Brown of natural makeup. of You know, and I, from that moment, we both, we had our growing pains together. We She's one of my longest running brands. And I, she's like a sister to me. I, like, I'm so proud of her. But, like, it was so, I took her six lip conditioners in the back of my Honda. 
And then I had a Prius. Now I have a BMW. But like still, like, you know, I, I, I really, it was a hustle. And so she was developing and I was the one like presenting it to a lot of the boutiques and getting it out there. And now, you know, I'm sh- it's going to definitely sell within a year or two for sure. Like that brand is blown up so big. So when she came in, it was just like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, my base beauty team was here and so many of my team members like freaked out. Like they were like starstruck Mm -hmm. and we meet a lot of people, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're meeting people all day long. So, um, there were a few moments where like Sasha was like the super, the Beyonce. Of course. And, um, I've I've never seen that before with, you know, people are excited to meet my guests, but like it wasn't this kind of starstruck, like, Oh my God, you created something that like is so magical to me. It's magical. You know, and my whole thing is like, you know, natural beauty, there's only like probably five brands that you can think of makeup that you would use. And hers by far is the most kind of relatable because it is like the Bobby Brown or Laura Mercier or Trish McAvoy of, of clean. Because um, I look at other brands like Kosas and I love Kosas too. And it's I don't sell the brand, but I, I appreciate the packaging and the quality. And that's like the NARS of, of natural. Then you look at like Kara Weiss and she's like the by Terry. And then you look at like, you know, um, Well People and Jane Airedale and, and RMS. And those three kind of are in the same kind of clump, which is more like kind of like the really green, like very kind of more true to like that person that's more crunchy. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so like, so there's only really three or four. And then there's vapor that falls between like, um, between Cosas and Ilya. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, there is a customer for all of those people because, you know, when I was doing makeup, I wanted people's skin to look like skin. And that's why I've always loved Sasha. When she walked in, she wasn't a girl that had a full face of makeup. And I never made my clients look like that. Like, if they wanted to, like, have that full drag look, wrong guy. Like, I do not do that. And so, um, yeah, when I met her. So I had already had Linda Rodin, who was Rodin Oleluso, and she's iconic as a New Yorker. If you don't know who she is in fashion and beauty, it's like, so I had Rodan, I had Sasha. I've had the most amazing. When I retire, I'm going to do the best brand owner coffee book of all the brands I've launched and all the brands. Because I've launched 80 brands. Of That's my so cool. It's like in, the photographer who puts a collection together yeah. of their, their best work. This would be like your best brand. Yeah, I was just interviewed. Um, to I was just recently interviewed by someone to do something for New York Magazine. Um, and she was like, she had all these names for me because I'm like the behind the scenes. And like just recently I've been going on podcasts and people want to know who I am because I was like kind of the force that drove a lot of these brands to success. Um, And, you know, a lot of the brand owners couldn't get to where they are if it wasn't for myself and my company and my team. Brands like Rodan and Odin and Ilya and Sasha Juan and, you know, the list goes on. Like, we have so many brands in our repertoire that people know exactly what that brand is and who who it is and who the founder is. But it takes a lot of work to build that brand in the early years. So, um... My question to you, and I'm just out of curiosity. Yeah. I don't have my own lip balm brand, but um, you keep bringing up lip balm. I know. Is it coming out? No. Can I see packaging. No. Uh, is so, it good? Is it? Oh, is it antibacterial? <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, it's like a nightclub. I'm not going to let anybody in, right? So, um, the idea of working with you, while there is a cost to working with your team, yeah. I would imagine that it speeds up the process versus like hiring someone to help me, like an intern, help me do this, right? Yeah. So um, is it like 
10 times, 100 times, you know, like I would imagine that your resources and your connections like just speed up the process of it, like yeah. proving that the product is received well. And, it probably uh, costs them the same as hiring one full-time employee, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to be honest. So it's actually a bargain for them if they can get in because we get like 26 brands a month now. Oh. So if we choose you, I don't know, it's like a cat, like people submit so much product. Um, there's a, there's a larger company that I'm in talks to that I can build a larger team and I can build this into a scalable business mm-hmm. because it is a scalable business. It's just like, I just don't want to do it. So alone. I feel like a reality TV show coming. <gasps> you do? Yeah, because it, like, remember like when Bendels would have Are that. Are you going to di- be on it with me? Can we do it together? I'll be it, can I be a judge? Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. So um, remember when um, Ben. Um, outside Bendel's people could line up with their handbags and whatever and oh, yeah. show them and like get in or not get oh, in. Yeah, remember that? Yes, I do remember that. So that's what I think um, you should do. Like if you're getting inquiries, 26 brands are approaching you a month yeah. to get a slot for like one or two. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a fascinating show? It would be a fascinating show. That's why I created, I actually, that's why I created our beauty website because I was going to do a kind of a, a platform which I haven't really put the energy or the marketing into it. And it's just organically, we get like, 10 to 15 orders a day. And don't ask me how that is happening. And I'm like, how is that happening? But we haven't even put any energy in it. But I was going to put all these brands on there and have our customer base check it out, give their feedback, and have the brands give us enough samples to sample out like little bags to people. So on checkout, they can sample all the new brands. And it would be a way for me to pick the next one that would be on our website for a longer period of time. Right. But a reality show would be fun. Yeah, and um, it's like a little Shark Tanky and mm. a little um, Project Runway-ish. Ooh. Right? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, we can talk about the soft line. <laughs> I, I'm totally in. You're this totally would be in? so fun because you, yeah. like, I mean, I feel like even though I'm not on the distribution side of it, I'm, you know, talking to the end, cus- the end user, the customer. Yeah. So um, the minute I meet somebody and I hear about their concept and yeah. I meet the founder, I know if they're going to be a superstar or not, right? <laughs> like you can just tell, like if they have it in them um, and if their product is differentiated. So mm-hmm. I think it would be really fun for the world to see that process and hear that process, right? Yeah. Like you have your three criteria, but I'm sure there's actually much oh, there's more that so goes into it. Um, so like giving this like, really honest feedback around like, listen, your lipsticks are nice, but there's a million lipsticks out there. You know, try again. Um, And that might just actually help people who are watching like Shark Tank does create better ideas for the future. Yeah. Okay. Wouldn't so, it be fun if they would go back into like a workshop and start redoing their packaging and looking Project at new components? Yeah. And they would. This just, is so and, fun. And they'd be like, "Oh my god!" And then we bring in the best packaging companies, and there's I there's so many great ones, and the best like assistants that know how to help them during that process. But and then someone walking around, I'd definitely be more like Tim Gunn, being like, "Oh no." That's oh, you don't terrible. want to be a judge. You want to be no, Tim Gunn. I, no, no. I want to be a judge. Of okay. course. <laughs> so, like, we can have people from my team, like a brand strategist, walking yeah. around asking questions, like, you know, what what is the cu- customer asking for? Did you do social listening? Right. Mm-hmm. We can have my designers walk around, and be like, you know what, like that that font looks funky. Like, are you sure this is what you want to show? Right. We can have all the experts just like dip in. Um, it's all a matter a matter of millimeters on packaging. Like my favorite line from Linda Rodin, she she's one of the first and most well-known stylists in New York, and she created the line Rodin Oleoluso, and I'm sure your listeners know exactly. It was the first face oil that blew up. Um, and it was one of my first brands, which I was, like, obsessed with. And, I'm st- and then it sold to Estee Lauder. And Linda just had her birthday. She was in Mexico City. Happy birthday, Linda, if you're listening. But anyway, so she um, she... We ordered 13,000 fragrance bottles. And I went into her apartment in Chelsea, and she was like, sweetheart, we got to throw these out. I go, no. Why? We can use them. She's like, look at that. The logo's off. 
by just a millimeter. And I go, no one's going to know. She was like, I am. I go, what's wrong with it? She's like, it's like a model with a saggy ass. <laughs> you can't fix it. There's nothing you can do to fix a model with a saggy ass. And I was like, oh, my God. Did you have to dump the inventory? We had to get rid of all 13. Well, we 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 kind of put them away. We had to recycle them. Thank God they were blown glass. Recycled mm-hmm. blown glass from Italy. But so, but she spent another... She bought another 13,000 bottles. Mm-hmm. She didn't care about wasting the money. It wasn't wasting the money. It was her mm-hmm. integrity and yeah. her vision. And working with creative creative directors and owners and founders like that through many years, and I'm also very OCD. I can walk in and, like, even my my strongest person on my team who's super creative, they'll see everything, but I will walk in and be like, Ugh. That's, I could just like I just look at it and I'm like, oh, my God, we got to fix that. You know, like, I can I can spot it really fast. Yeah, well, um, the customer can too, yeah. right? So this is so fun. Okay, I know you get 26 brands a month asking uh-huh. for your support, but do you want to share your email address with the, sure. our listeners yeah, just in case course. they want to reach out and learn more about your company? Of course, they can reach out to, well, my email address is david at davidparata.com. So it's D-A-V-I-D-P-I-R-R-O-T-T-A.com. Um, and then also my marketing director who's like, who helps me with all projects and filter all new brands. His name is Cody Sai, and his email is Cody, C-O-D-Y at davidparata.com. D-A-V-I-D-P-I-R-R-O-T-T-A.com. I want to know how many people emailed you after listening to this episode. Because <laughs> like, I'm really fascinated. I'm surprised I haven't heard about you, but I'm so glad to know you now because well, I can refer people to you. You can. And it's interesting because uh, someone just said to me, I've, uh, I, I guess I can say this now because the piece hasn't come out, but um, she said, oh, you're like the brand whisperer. Mm. And I go, actually, I'm more like Charlie. <laughs> the voice on the phone. <laughs> I'm like in my That's angel, a Charlie's I'm, Angels it, reference yeah. for anyone who doesn't understand it. <laughs> and so my angels are the brands. They're all right. like, they have to go out there and do that in my team. And it's like I kind of stand behind, um, I stand behind the brands we choose and I believe in the brand owners and founders. A lot of them can, eventually the truth comes out. Like a lot of them are very opportunistic. There's a lot of opportunistic people. I've gotten better at filtering it. Mm-hmm. I failed again this year, but like a few years ago. But now I'm like really solid where I know when brands are creating brands for the right reasons mm-hmm. or the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And I don't work with brands that are private label. So they have to right. be your own formula. Right. So anybody that's creating something with a manufacturer that's someone else's formula, do not even email me. Like you've got to have your own formulas because I believe in integrity ingredients. I don't want something that someone else has a label on it that's on the market already. Yeah. I want someone to create something different, a point of difference, something use ingredients that haven't been used before, think outside the box, change up the packaging, even make it retro. 90s are back. Go back to some of the 90s packaging. Like, I just saw an SPF line that I'm so excited about that reminded me of Lancaster. I don't know if anyone knows what Uh, Lancaster uh is, but you can only buy it in Europe. But back in the day, like, all my friends in camp and their moms had Lancaster, and we would steal it. And and we would, like, think we were so cool, like, to use, like, fabulous, like, high-end, like, SPF on the beach. Because, you know, back in the day, no one used SPF. But, like, we were, like feeling fabulous. And so this one brand is now repackaging it that way. We're going to start working with that. We have two new brands we'll be working with shortly, as well as another brand from overseas that is a skincare brand and another doctor brand. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So I love this. Now, um, 
offline, you and I will talk about this reality yeah, show. Of like, you know, we produce things here. So we can oh, just you like, do? yeah, we have like look around you. I like, know, we I love it. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, so you'll see David and I um, next on, I guess, YouTube on a reality show. But <laughs> love um, it. thank you for sharing your wisdom today. You're welcome. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with David. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.